here. I was thinking about in, in, uh, in Jesus' own life and ministry, um, for 30 years of Jesus' life, he kind of lived in obscurity. Nobody, nobody uh, in a public way knew of his claims to being the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And it's at age 30 that Jesus is about to step into public ministry for a three-year period of time. And we know that because three years later, he gives his life on the cross. And Jesus is about to step into ministry in a very public and prominent way. And God's going to use him in some miraculous ways. He's about to share transformational teaching where crowd after crowd after crowd would gather to hear his words because it was like they were words of life. And he's about to perform miracles and healings. And, and all this, what is it that's going to coronate kind of this kickoff to Jesus' ministries? Of all things, he decides to be baptized. Look at the text with me, Matthew chapter 3. It says, And then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized. And to be baptized by John. Now, John was a forerunner of Jesus. In fact, John's whole mission in life was to point towards the coming Messiah. And here it says, John tried to talk Jesus out of it. That is, talked him out of being baptized. And John goes on to say, because I'm the one who needs to be baptized. Jesus, like, I'm not baptizing you. I'm the one. You're the master. You're the Messiah. You're the Savior. Think about it this way. Like, Let's say uh, you're a young person. Think about your, your favorite NBA player or football player, and they come over to your house one day. They show up on your front step, and they're like, hey, could you teach me how to throw a football? And you're like, are you nuts? Are you crazy? You should be teaching me. And you can kind of like take that illustration to, to any level in your life, you know, whether you're a business person and you find out that like the CEO of the largest Fortune 500 company in the nation is coming in and he's like, yeah, I, I wanted to get some tips about business. And you're like, no, 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 you should be teaching me. Well, that's how John felt. Jesus comes along and he says, I want to be baptized, John, and I want you to do it. And, and he's overwhelmed. It's like, there's no way. I, I'm, this isn't appropriate. You're the master. I should, I should be baptized by you. And this, this leads me to something that N.T. Wright said, uh, and this is a loose paraphrase of what he said. He said, the way of Jesus should surprise us, for he does things that we would not expect him to do, for he is fulfilling God's plan, not our own. This surprised John when Jesus came onto the scene and said, I want to get baptized. In fact, the whole journey of Jesus Christ is a surprise. Like what we're about to celebrate in just another month, he came as a, as a helpless baby at Christmas time. The God of the universe steps into human flesh as a baby in a manger. That's surprising. The, 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 the Messiah, the Savior of the world comes and says, oh, by the way, John, could you, could you baptize me? And that all leads to the most surprising thing of all, that the Savior, the King of the world, humbly gives his life away on a cross. Surprising. And yet miraculous, all at the same time. And, and I love what Jesus says. Jesus responds to John. He says, it should be done. For we must carry out all that God has required. And so it says, John agreed to baptize him. So what was it that Jesus meant when he said, well, we must carry out all that God 
requires. Remember I said before, uh, we don't get to heaven on the basis of our righteous acts. God has some requirements. And his requirement, I mean, to be in the presence of a, a perfect, sinless, holy God in a perfect, sinless place uh, requires perfection, sinlessness, holiness. And I don't know about you, but we don't make the cut, do we? <laughs> we don't make the cut. And so when Jesus says uh, we have to carry out all that requ God requires, see, Jesus came not to do away with the law, the rule of God, the, this perfect, holy, righteous standard. Jesus came, the Bible says, to fulfill the law for us. Jesus came to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. That included living a perfect, sinless life, and that included dying on a cross and paying for your sins and my sins. And he said, it should be done. It should be done. Jesus was committed to this mission. He was committed to being baptized. He was committed to giving his life away. And he said, it should be done. When, when he says that, it it reminds me of what Jesus cried out when he was hanging on the cross. It is done. It is finished. You see, Jesus came to fulfill all the requirements because we would never be able to. That's God's grace. So why was Jesus baptized? I think three reasons. One, he, he was baptized to set an example. Did Jesus, I mean, did he need to get baptized? Like, did... Uh, no, but he willingly did. He didn't need to confess his sins and say, I've put my hope in my Father. He was baptized to identify with us, to set an example for us, so that when Jesus says, now go into all the world and be baptized and, and make disciples of all nations, Jesus, this is the amazing thing about Jesus, Jesus doesn't ask you and me to do anything that he did not do first, that he wasn't willing to do. And so Jesus is baptized and he sets an example for you and me to follow. So when Jesus says, come follow me, part of that followership is being baptized. It's identifying with Christ. But he also was baptized to give us a beautiful picture. Now you just saw Joseph get baptized. And baptism is a powerful picture of something that's already happened in Joseph's life and in many in this room that have given their life to Christ. When a person goes down under the water, it's kind of like their old life being buried, just like Jesus was buried and put in a tomb for three days. And then as the person comes up out of the water, it's a beautiful picture of new life, of resurrection, that our old life is left in the waters of baptism. And Jesus, when he hung on the cross, he died to our old life, not his old life, our old life. And then he rose up out of the grave. So when Jesus is baptized, it's also to give us a beautiful picture, but it's also to an extend an invitation. Remember I said, Jesus doesn't ask us to do anything that he doesn't do first, that he's not willing to do first. And, and baptism really is like an invitation from Jesus to say, come, follow me, experience new life. And I love what happens right after Jesus is baptized. I mean, after John hesitantly agrees and baptizes Jesus, takes him down under the water, because that's what the word baptize means, to, to plunge underneath. It says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, 
he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, lighting on him, and a voice from heaven said these words, This is my Son. With him I am well pleased. He's the one whom I love. It's interesting that at this moment of Jesus' baptism, the three members of the Trinity are all present. Jesus is there. He's standing in the water. The Spirit, it says, descends upon Jesus like a dove. And then a voice, the voice of the Father from heaven, says, This is my Son, whom I love. I am well pleased with him. Aren't those the words that all of us long to hear? I mean, when, when, when the Father says of Jesus, this is my son, it's a, it's a statement of family. It's a statement of relationship. It's a statement of ownership. The Father says about Jesus the Son, he's mine. <laughs> Isn't it good when, when, when your dad, when your mom says, oh, that's my boy, that's, that's our girl. There's something that, that, that we all long, and, and for, sadly, for, for many kids that don't have that feeling, that don't hear those words, that's my boy, that's my daughter, that can leave such a gaping hole in a child's life. That's why we exist as a church, to make up for that hole, to be there for kids. But, but, but the, the voice from heaven doesn't just say, this is my son, it goes on to say, whom I love. This is a term of endearment. This is a term of care. This is a term of compassion. This is a term of uh, uh, protection. God the Father is saying, this is my son, Jesus. Yes, we have a relationship, but all of us know that we can have relationships that lack love, right? But here, the Father is saying, I love you. I love you. And don't we all long to hear those words? We long to hear those words from our parents. I remember going off to, to, to college, and um, at some point in, in our journey, and maybe this happens in, in your family, it, things get weird. Like you go from, you know, always hugging and loving on your kids, although some, some families aren't huggers and lovers that way. Um, and, then, and then, you know, you, you hit puberty, and it gets kind of weird, and you want to just be in your room and playing video games, and, you know, and then, like, you know, you don't want hugs from your mom or your dad anymore. But I remember, I remember uh, going over to my friend Matt's house, and his parents were both Christians. And I remember one night, we, I was spending the night over his house, and we got ready to go to bed. And he went right over, and, and his dad gave him this big old bear hug and then kissed him. Now, I, I, I didn't need a kiss, okay, but, from my dad. But, but I tell you what, I was jealous of seeing Matt's dad hug him and each one of them saying, I love you. I love you, Dad. I love you, son. I remember when I went off to college, and I remember the first time my parents came and visit, and I so wanted, like, a hug from my dad. And it wasn't that he was unloving. It's just, I don't know, something, something got in the way of that, like, intimacy. And I, I can remember getting ready for him to leave, and, like, everything in me just wanted a hug. And I can remember I was so scared, I was so nervous, and I remember counting down in my head because I was just going to, I was just going to hug him. Three, two, one. And he just pulled me in. 
And since that day, every single time I see my dad, we hug and we tell each other we love each other. You know, every single person needs to know their love. And, you know, even longer, uh, even more so than the embrace and love of our parents, there's something deep within us that wants to know and experience the love of God. And the Father, as Jesus is baptized, he comes up out of the water. The Spirit comes on on him like a dove, and the, the Father echoes through eternity. This is my Son, whom I love. And then he finishes, with him I am well pleased. Now, this is so significant because um, oftentimes when we say, oh, I'm really pleased with you, that's right after you did something good, right? Now, maybe it was the being baptized and the Father was... And, and yet... Jesus was just beginning his public ministry. He hadn't performed his first miracle. He hadn't preached his first message. He hadn't uh, given sight to the blind or healed any sicknesses. He hadn't done anything yet. And yet the Father says, I am so pleased with you. This is a reminder that God's approval of Jesus, God's approval of us, it's not based upon who we are. It's not based upon what we accomplish, what we do for God. God's approval is based upon whose we are. This is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. And listen, I want you to know something today. As you're here, as you're sitting in the chairs, as you're just thinking about this, as you've observed somebody be baptized, if you've, if you've needed to hear those words, the God of the universe, the God of the universe, the God that made everything, he wants you to hear his voice over your life today. He wants you to hear him say, this is my son, this is my daughter. He wants a relationship with you, a real relationship. But that relationship can't be bridged by our good deeds or our good works. It's only been bridged by Jesus himself. And the God of the universe wants to say to you, I love you. I love you this much. And Jesus stretched out his arms and he died on the cross out of love for you and for me. And the God of the universe wants you to know he's pleased with you before you've done anything for him. And maybe you're here this weekend and maybe you've experienced that love, but you've never gone public with your faith. You've never taken this kind of step. And maybe today is still your day. Like I said, we want you to know we're ready for you. Uh, in the back, we've got one of our elders, some of our staff. We have shorts of all sizes. Okay, don't freak out. Got shirts. You get one of these of all sizes. I need a bigger one. This one's a little snug. Uh, and if, if you are interested in taking your next step in being baptized in just a few moments, as the worship team begins to sing, I want to invite you to just head right out to the atrium. You'll just sit down. Somebody will talk with you just for a minute, ask you a couple simple questions. We'll get you set up, and you can come right back in here. And today, you can say to others, you know what? I know that I'm a son or daughter of, of God the Father, and I'm experiencing his love, 
and I know that he's well pleased with me. And it's out of that that I say, I want to continue to please him with my life. I want to follow him. I want to be baptized. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, if there's anybody here that's just timid or shy or has contemplated this, I pray that you would well up with them a holy courage that nothing would hold them back from taking this step today. And that every single one of us in this room, we would hear you even as we sing to you and worship you and honor you, that we would hear, this is my son, this is my daughter, who I love, and I am well pleased with them. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, let's worship. And if you need to be baptized today, you just head right out. I'll meet you out there. We'll be ready for you.